Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. You might be heading into 2024 feeling completely sated from all those holiday meals you've eaten. But please, don't push back from the table yet, because we've got some yummy food stories for you to kick off the new year. From Filipino treats in the back of a gas station in Tracy, to a pop-up serving Balinese food in a suburban driveway in Glendale. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. And today, we're featuring stories from our series, Flavor Profile, about Californians who pivoted to start a food business during the pandemic. If you're traveling between the Central Valley and the Bay Area, you'll probably pass through the town of Tracy, where one of the hottest new bakeries and ice cream shops can be found in a gas station just off the 205 freeway. The California Report's interim senior editor, Katrina Schwartz, brings us their story. When I pull into the parking lot of the National Gas Station right off the busy 205 freeway, I'm not sure what to expect. I head inside what looks like a pretty standard gas station. Chips and candy line the aisles, and the back wall is all coolers. But there's something else, too. A heavenly smell. I follow my nose to the back corner of the shop, and I'm not the only one here. It's 11 a.m., opening time, and folks are already lining up at Ellis Creamery's counter. We just finished Pandesal, they're proofing, and then now we just finished Spencials. And then now we're about to start making Ensaymadas. Christian Reboot is hustling to keep this production line on schedule. He's one half of the dynamic couple that owns the Filipino-inspired bakery and ice cream shop. How many Ensaymadas? Can I get a dozen? His wife, Marie Reboot, is taking orders up front, while Christian and two staff members frantically try to keep up with orders in the tiny back kitchen. It seems like everyone wants ensaymadas, Filipino sweet rolls, one of their specialties. It's a brioche, you know, buttery, has a lot of eggs and sugar. The ensaymadas look a little bit like a fluffy cupcake with buttercream on top. But it's their new take on traditional flavors that has made them an Instagram darling. Uh, We got eight flavors. We got, you know, the cheese, the dulce de leche, the green tea, Oreo, Parmesan, uh, pork floss, salted egg, and ube. The place may be known for its ensaymadas, but the pan de sal and Spanish rolls are the backbone of the bakery. Pan de sal is actually a staple food that our, you know, the elders, like aunts, the titas, titos, they really love it. They, it's part of their everyday. Like they eat in the morning, they eat afternoon, evening, and everything. For Christian, the business is a balancing act. Many of their original customers wanted traditional Filipino treats. But Christian and Marie are interested in putting a twist on tradition. 
we're passionate about letting them experience the same flavors that we've experienced when we were growing up, but we're doing it in a fun way. Away from the busy kitchen, on one of their few days off, I sit down with Christian and Marie at their home in Tracy. They both grew up in the Philippines. Bread is big there. You would see kids walking around the neighborhood having this big styrofoam, and then all they have is hot bread. And yep, they would call, they would yell, pandikoko, pandikoko. It's actually a a bun with um, a sugary coconut shred in the middle. The couple moved to San Jose for work. Christian trains folks at tech companies, and Marie is a nurse. But the U.S. wouldn't recognize Marie's work history in the Philippines. It was hard to find work at first. And living in San Jose is expensive. I mean, you cannot really buy a house if he's the only one uh, working that time. And they wanted to start a family. I mean, we were just in an apartment, a small, tiny apartment. So in 2014, they decided to move to Tracy, 60-odd miles from San Jose, where they knew no one. It's just over the Altamont Pass from Livermore, but way cheaper than Silicon Valley. Poor Christian was still trekking to work in San Jose. I used to commute like three hours, four hours, you know. San Jose. San Jose, and you come home and you find, hey, you know what? (laughs) It's not worth it. And then the pandemic hit, and Christian lost his job. You know, my contract ended, and that's when things for us started with, you know, the, the food. Marie was already an amateur baker. She'd taken some classes in the Philippines and dreamed of opening a shop one day. I always want to have a business because I, I believe that if you have a business, that's a, the that's a time that you, you can grow. We always want to have a side hustle. Suddenly, Christian had a lot of time to figure out how to make that dream a reality. They started selling Sans Rival, a meringue cake covered in buttercream and cashews, at pop-up markets, and soon became known for them. Then they gradually added more offerings as they built a following, but they quickly ran up against the limitations of their home kitchen. You have to scrape and wash everything after you bake. And it, it sticks, so it's like, oh, you gotta put butter and make sure that it's there. And then it, if you don't wash it, it's, you know, it's burnt butter. Yeah. So the next bread you put in would be dark, so it won't work. You have to wash everything. And we only have uh, maybe 12 pans. And we're making hundreds. They needed a professional kitchen. So in 2021, they bought Ellis Creamery, a local ice cream shop with a good reputation, but an out-of-the-way location. And there's a history behind it, because it's the the old name of Tracy. That's right. Before Tracy was founded in 1878, there was a village on the railroad here called Ellis. Just a little bit of history with your sweet treats. That is exactly why we kept the name. Because we're in Tracy... The original Ellis Creamery was already located in the gas station, which has its pros and cons. Some customers have a hard time finding it, but in other ways, it's prime real estate. It is a really nice location. Um, If you ask me in Tracy, that's actually a a sweet spot. Yeah, prime location for Tracy because it's near the freeway. It's near the freeway. Rather than going to downtown Tracy. How many more minutes? I have four more minutes to Back at the bakery, it's clear the word is out. People are not having a hard time finding it these days. And it's not just locals lining up. We're on a road trip, and I asked my son, are we anywhere near Tracy? Can we stop there? He goes, 
Yeah, we can go. <laughs> Special trip. Yes. We support our Filipino small businesses. Jane Spanier and her family are from Southern California, on their way to a baby shower in San Francisco. They took a detour to Tracy. Jane especially wanted to try Marie's Silvanas, basically a meringue sandwich cookie coated in crushed nuts. Never seen this in anywhere in, L- in the L.A. area. This one's new to me. Most of the folks waiting in line aren't coming from quite so far away. More often, they're from nearby cities like Stockton, Livermore, Dublin, like Joanne. Yeah, what did you think when you walked in the door? <laughs> I was like, where is it? But I was just following the Filipinos, so I figured they knew. Everyone knew that it was here. I've never heard of dulce de leche. Um, it's my, I'm excited about that. The cookies and cream one, that looks exciting too. When Christian and Marie bought Ellis Creamery, it came with a bunch of ice cream equipment. So, of course, they had to put their own spin on the flavors. Lychee, calamansi, those are really good, good flavors for me. Not every, so we're trying to, to let people taste the calamansi because they don't know what calamansi is, right? So it's Asian lime. They've even experimented with squid ink ice cream. They're also putting their own twist on classic Filipino frozen treats like halo halo and buko pandan. Christian is often at the shop until 1 a.m., making sure there's enough ice cream for the next day. The couple dream of expanding the bakery and ice cream shop to a bigger location. And ultimately... Like, we want our business to be franchise. Like, um, they can duplicate what we're doing. That dream is still a little ways off. Marie still works as a nurse to bring in a stable income and health insurance for their family. And Christian is focused on making sure they've got all their recipes and systems well-documented and working smoothly first. There are definitely ups and downs. You know, every time we, we run into like road bumps, uh, hiccups, and I would just say, hey, you know what? I'll just go back to, to training or every the technical side. <laughs> yeah, every time, right? Every time. But then there should be the other person who's pushing you back up. It's that teamwork, the sharing of the load that keeps them going when it all feels a little too hard. That and the smile on people's faces when they try something new. That was the California Report's Katrina Schwartz in Tracy. Next up, we're going to head to San Francisco to meet Ezekiel Anderson. He's a chef who started baking sourdough bread in his backyard. Today, he runs Rise Up Bakery, and he's become one of the best-known black bakers in our state. KQED's Aditi Bandlamudi went to check out his kitchen. We got five minutes until stuff starts coming out. Uh, can you put those back in the fridge? I'm standing inside Rise Up Bakery's kitchen. It's inside a giant warehouse in downtown San Francisco. In the front, bakers are packaging freshly baked loaves into brown bags. In the back, they're assembling loaves of sourdough bread, ready to bake. Ezekwe Anderson, the bakery's owner and founder, is loading loaves into a giant oven. I was one of those people that when you went to a nice restaurant and really good bread came out, I was the one like, can we get another basket of bread? He started baking sourdough three years ago during the pandemic. I was like, oh, well, I'll try with everyone else, you know. And then the next thing you know, it was like, I'm no good at this. And I hate not being good at things. So I was like, I'm going to figure it out. 
he hooked up several ovens in his backyard and started cranking out loaves to sell to neighbors. Soon, people started lining up to buy a coveted Rise Up loaf. As his business expanded, he hired more bakers and rented out a commercial kitchen. I tell people I feel like I've been duct taped to the front of a rocket ship. It literally has been scaling at the speed of sound. Today, Rise Up Bread can be found in stores from Mill Valley to Martinez and Pleasant Hill. His bread is featured at buzzy restaurants like Flour and Water, Abaca, and The Morris. But Ezekwe isn't used to this much attention. For most of his career in kitchens, he's felt like an outsider. You know, I'm a six-foot-three black guy, right? You walk into a kitchen, and I stand out like a sore thumb. And when there was diversity in the kitchen, he often noticed a racial divide. It's like, you know, all the brown people come in and get everything ready, and then all the white folks with tattoos show up, and they make twice as much, and they're the ones you see. So when it came time to hire more bakers for Rise Up, he wanted to give a chance to black and brown bakers, even people who had never worked in a bakery before. For years, Ezekwe was making someone else's recipe. Now, he got to invent something new, and he wanted to give others that same opportunity. Susie Brewer worked in the fashion industry for more than three decades. But four years ago, after a big birthday, she decided she wanted a career change. I wanted to get back to making something, and I wanted to make something which was compostable and didn't just land in landfill. She now handles Rise Up's recipe development, She's preparing to chop scallions for their K-pop loaf, inspired by Korean flavors and packed full of gojujang, toasted sesame, and roasted garlic. I um, look after all the inclusions, and so a lot of, like, the masala mix has to be cooked, the ube mix has to be cooked, so I make sure that we have enough of all those mixes. Um, curry leaves to make sure that we have them on point. Yeah. To be able to take bread, which is kind of like this ancient vehicle, and then to give it and infuse it with all these different flavor profiles and then offer it up for people to kind of like play with and get foodie with, it's kind of cool. When Ezekwe started branching out from the traditional sourdough loaf into more experimental flavors, he was wary of appropriating those flavors or making something that didn't taste close to the source material. I'm trying my best to take that source material, turn it on its ear and say, this is beautiful as well, right? I just am inspired by this flavor profile, and I'm giving you a new offering that if you like these things, you might like this too. One flavor Ezekwe was particularly interested in was ube, the sweet purple yam many Filipino desserts feature. The ube loaf took me 20 iterations to get right. I had bought one from him, and it was like still in like the testing phase. That's Joanna Bautista, a pastry chef at Abaca, a popular Filipino restaurant in San Francisco. He asked me how it was. I was like, I don't really get, like, the ube yet. I was like, you need more, like, ube in there. It needs a little more, like, umph in there. Ube is one of those trendy flavors everyone is using these days. Even Trader Joe's sells an ube pancake mix. But when it doesn't taste remotely like ube, Joanna says it's hurtful and feels like a wasted opportunity to share something delicious. I feel like... Um, you know, like they didn't do like the ingredient justice. It's like, you know, they jump on the bandwagon, but then there's not really any like thought process into um, how can we make it taste like authentic or how like a Filipino person would like eat it. Ezekwe wanted to do it differently. He asked Joanna to teach him how to make ube halaya. So ube halaya, is, it's basically like a milk jam. So it's like a lot of stirring and it takes like a long time for it to happen. 
this is the ingredient that makes ube-flavored desserts actually taste like ube. Rise Up makes ube halaya from scratch, which gives the sourdough that iconic, sweet, earthy flavor. Playing with complicated flavors and making sure they taste right to the communities those flavors came from is a really challenging game. At the beginning, you know, it was, you know, over $20 a loaf to make, right? Because all the stuff that goes into it and then all the times that I made it and it didn't turn out because of all the extra stuff I'm putting into it. But then when you make it and you get a letter from somebody and they're like, thank you so much for including us. Ezekwe says that's the best stamp of approval. So we are in the kitchen, and I have Rise Up's Masala Loaf. Rise Up's Masala Loaf is particularly interesting to me. It's based off of kara buns, this eggless bun popularized by Iyengar bakeries in Bangalore. My parents grew up eating them in India. Mmm, it smells like a kara bun. I can taste the cumin seeds and the curry leaves. I can see the... The turmeric in the bread. Oh, just got a kick of green chilies. Yeah, this is right. This is right. Does it taste exactly like a kara bun? Not exactly, but that's not really the point. That's the beauty of cultural appreciation. It's a new kind of bread that understands where it came from. It's his interpretation of it, and it's mighty tasty. Oh man, I wonder what would happen if I made a grilled cheese sandwich with this. That story came to us from KQED's Aditi Banlamudi. I mean, I think it's classic sort of hot, spicy, sweet, savory kind of a dish. And now we're going to head to L.A. for our next flavor profile. It's about two sisters who started a pop-up dishing out vibrant Balinese food from their home kitchen. Such a wonderful blend of sweet and spicy. Just, It's delicious. And I just could feel the love that they pour into uh, making it. Their story comes to us from reporter Claire Wiley. It's a hot Saturday afternoon on a leafy street in Glendale. It's quiet, except for a long line of people leading into one house. A sign on the driveway gate says 100% sold out. I'm at Bunkus Bagus, a Balinese food pop-up run by sisters Tara and Celine Carrara. Two big gold balloons in the shape of the letter B float above the driveway. Today is the pop-up's third anniversary. Did you want to buy one? Yes. Tara is standing behind a little booth, greeting excited customers and handing over their orders in big paper bags. I'm quite familiar with the taste because I'm actually from Malaysia. And, you know, Bali is sort of nearby. And we sort of share a same taste profile in our food. So when I found out that they were doing this during pandemic, I was like, oh, wow. Like, you know, it gives a sense of food, uh, a sense of home. Very vibrant and sweet and, like, tropical. Plus, I love the fact that it's wrapped in banana leaves and you can sort of, like, have your plate eat it, too. <laughs> Inside the house, Tara's sister Celine has a meal prepping production line laid out on the dining room table. She flattens a banana leaf, and in the middle, she spoons on fragrant rice. The like key part of a bunkus, in my opinion, that you have to nail is the rice. Like, if you can't make 
delicious, yummy white rice. Why bother? She then circles the rice with three dishes, slow-cooked coconut chicken curry, sweet, spicy tempeh, and long beans with bean sprouts. It's all topped with a tamari marinated egg, Bali-style salted peanuts, dried pork garnish, toasted coconut, and the sister's own house-made sambal goreng, a spicy, crunchy topping of fried shallot, garlic, and chili. And if you're really good at doing origami, you'd be really good at folding bunkus. This is the sister's signature dish, nasi bunkus, which means rice to go or rice package. It's a typical Indonesian lunch. In Bali, there is a very intentional effort to make everything beautiful. I really wanted the colors to be balanced all the way across. So if you're imagining the bunkus like a clock, there's balance around the clock itself. Tara was formerly a makeup artist. She brings her aesthetic flair to every bunkus bagus dish, especially their signature dessert, kue lapis. All of our dishes are colorful and dense. So like with the kue lapis, it's all of those things coming together to make this like rainbow. And so everything's like a little bit unbelievable when you see it, which I think is a very Bali thing. There's this whimsy to things there. The kue lapis is a cake made from rice flour, tapioca flour, and coconut milk. It's layered, with each level dyed a bright color. So it's a tactile, silly, wacky, fun dessert. And we call it like the sticky hand of desserts because you can literally like fling it around like a sticky hand (laughs) or like stick it on your face. It's popular with children for that reason, but also with us because we are children (laughs) at heart. Tara and Celine grew up in Bali. Their family would gather around the table to share big feasts, tucking into six or seven dishes at a time. I've definitely been on a personal quest since I was young to figure out how to replicate the recipes that we were eating in Bali here because I'd miss it. Getting a sense of what textures should look like when, you know, the amounts of ginger that go in one dish are are measured in knuckle lengths, not like by gram. They both love cooking, but never planned to make food their business. Then COVID hit and they lost their jobs. Tara as a makeup artist and Celine as a doula. They began batting around the idea of a pop-up. We just started exploring different markets in LA and trying to look for the right ingredients to make Balinese food. They would go on these adventures through quiet pandemic-era Los Angeles. They found galangal and lemongrass in a Thai town market, stumbled across long beans and canned jackfruit in a Chinatown warehouse store. On the shelves of a corner store in West Covina, they discovered toasted coconut and crunchy soybean chips. And during a trip to their local Mexican supermarket to stock up on tortillas and toilet paper, Celine spotted banana leaves. And once we found the leaves, we were like, oh, we could wrap it. That's when the idea for Bunkus Bagus came together. It means good package. The sisters hosted their first pop-up from their house in July 2020. Before we knew it, we had, what, like 200 meals getting pre-ordered. And we're running it all out of the house, and it became insanity. Everyone was stuck at home and I think really craving an opportunity to get out and be in community. And I think that that really helped us get our foot off the ground because the concept has always really been about connecting with people and sharing this amazing place that we grew up through the food. 
But that's not to say things were easy. In the beginning, they didn't know if the pop-up had a future. They had no experience running a food business. It was hard managing their time in the kitchen and balancing that with serving customers. They were initially making overly complicated dishes in their small home kitchen. This was the first summer of the pandemic. Things were really unstable. So everything felt really challenging because we were learning so much so quickly and then also having to problem solve on the fly all the time. That pace, like we weren't sure if we could keep it up. Gradually, though, the sisters did find balance. They narrowed the menu to focus on the bunkus. They figured out a system where customers pre-ordered food on a Monday, so the sisters had the cash to go and buy groceries for the following weekend's pop-up. We've always just been two peas in a pod. There's been an ease to our relationship and a fullness to it. Running a business together, even living under the same roof for the first nine months of lockdown, was actually easier because they're family. There isn't a day where we aren't like laughing hysterically or making jokes or complaining and just being free to like vent when we need to. So sad it's not going to be happening. I know. Thank you so much. Over the past three years, Tara and Celine figure they've made over 10,000 nasi bunkus at over 100 events. They knew they wanted to keep working together and keep connecting people to their roots in Bali, but they were ready for something new. They considered opening a brick-and-mortar restaurant. We just had to really ask ourselves, like, is this what we really want? Do we want to be working every weekend and having a lot of debt owed? So instead, the Carraras are now focusing on their condiment, sambal goreng, that crunchy topping of fried shallots, chili, and garlic. To make it happen, they're working out of a busy commercial kitchen in LA's Arts District. Celine used to have to chop every shallot by hand. Now she's feeding them into an industrial-sized blitzer. So right now I'm just dropping in the raw shallots and garlic into the hot oil at about 315 degrees Fahrenheit. It's really hot over here. Over by the stove, Tara is manning three huge pans of oil. The joke is that I'm the SpongeBob of the team because I am the fry cook. We used to fry this over two walks outside at our house over like um, like an outdoor propane flame. And it, it, took, it took so long. These days, they can go from raw ingredients to 500 labeled jars in one day. That's five times what they could make at home. The condiment is now available in almost 50 retailers across the country. It can be used on everything from pizza and ramen to burgers and salad. So... You know, you could be living in Lincoln, Nebraska and buy a jar of sambal goreng and now have one of the flavors of Bali in your own home. At the moment, Celine and Tara are taking the occasional makeup gig or doula work to supplement their income. But the business is demanding more of their attention and the aim is to make it their full-time jobs. What makes me feel so fulfilled is that Bunkus Bagus is a project that's about our sisterhood and our origin story as sisters. We both feel that we can really do anything when we are working alongside one another. We want Bunkus Vagus to be around for the long haul.
That was reporter Claire Wiley. You can check out all of our flavor profile stories at californiareport.org. And that's it for the California Report magazine. We're a production of KQED in San Francisco. We're not only saying Happy New Year this week, we're also saying hello and goodbye to some folks on our team. Goodbye to our interim senior editor, Katrina Schwartz, who's heading back to her home show as producer and editor of the Bay Curious podcast. Thanks so much for everything, Katrina. And welcome back to Victoria Mauleon, our longtime senior editor who was away on assignment for the last year. We're also saying goodbye this week to our fabulous intern, Olivia Zhao. Our producer-director is Susie Racho, our sound engineer is Brendan Willard, and I'm Sasha Koka. You can catch all of our California stories on our podcast, The California Report Magazine. Your state, your stories. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. Knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.